0: Hey guys, I'm your host, Smitha Kanturi, and welcome to Journey Podcast, your weekly podcast on transformational journeys. Our guest today is passionate on helping others through her story. She brings more insight on the fundamentals with her experience as a law enforcement officer. One episode wasn't enough to know her, to learn her passion with the added insights through her experience. So please tune in for the upcoming episode as well. Hello everyone, I have Saadia White with me today. Despite the fact that she was a law enforcement officer and took a walk to save lives, as a child, no one saved hers. Born into a life faced with trauma and several forms of abuse, Saadia is described best by those who know her as overcomer or a woman of resilience. She is a community activist unconventional speaker, and a best-selling author of the Amazon, I'm sorry, Amazine Amazon. And her ebook, this hashtag was like so close to me as well, Uh, the way that she mentioned is like so interesting, I am a hashtag generational survivor. She is a founder and visionary of Eyes Wide Open Empowering People Globally LLC. She was formed to bring awareness to various issues such as domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking, homelessness, generational poverty and educational issues and aiding as resource referral sites for those who need help. And her smile is contagious, her way of talking is so contagious. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you.
2: Thank you you so much. Thank you for having me you don't know how you bless my soul when you ask me to be a part of something so as, something so beautiful as this and inspirational. Um, I, I really love what you're doing and I believe it's going to touch the lives of so many. And I, I, I look forward to seeing this in the Indie Film Festival somewhere. They need documentaries such as this. Thank you very powerful
0: so thank you so much for being here and sharing so i would i i'm sorry that i misspelled about your book but i want you to start with that and i know (laughs) though we were talking about it just a minute before i just screwed up the name saying that (laughs) but it was so interesting hearing in your words and how you wanted to put that like why you did that what is that actually so yeah please please start with that
2: so amazing amazon and okay let me just explain to you how we got the amazon on the end when you think of an amazonian an amazonian is a bold fierce beautiful warrior woman and because of her height and her build and you can't see me i'm sitting down but when I stand up, I'm pretty tall. I'm taller than most women. Uh, the practical size of a woman is supposed to, their height is supposed to be about five, six, five, seven. That's about as tall as a woman really should be is what they used to say. That's five, so I'm <laughs> a really short version of it. Just like, <laughs> so, so compared, to, if I were to stand next to you, you would say, oh my gosh, so all my life, I've been taller.
0: I, I'm, I won't even dare to stand right next to you. I'll talk to you <laughs> a distance.
2: We're going to see each other in person. And so you're going to be standing next to me. And we're going to give each other hugs. Hopefully, the pandemic will be over. But <laughs> so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I know, right? The Amazon part came because when I was younger, I was always the tallest one in my class. And I always felt so uncomfortable with it. And people would call me out, oh, you're an Amazon, you're an Amazon, you're so tall. And I didn't like it. So I actually thought that it was something derogatory. Mm -hmm. And as I became an adult and I grew into myself and my confidence uh, started to blossom, uh, one day God downloaded in me, you know, you have so much in you take that and do something beautiful with it who are you mm-hmm. and i started thinking oh wow i'm i'm am i want to be a i'm a superhero for myself you know i think everyone has a superhero inside of them absolutely true yes because see before anyone else can save you you have to save yourself. So i love a hero. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. So I created a version of myself and I took that word that I thought was so derogatory and I actually um, looked it up, I defined it and I said, I've been missing out all this time. I'm bold, I'm a warrior, I'm beautiful you know i have strength you know and i took that and i said amazing amazon and i said i want to do a comic book i want to touch the lives of young ladies and young young men all over that and and, and share, share with them the power that they have within that they are we everyone is amazing inside you can have an amazing story somewhere in your life and you can be your own superhero
1: why and choose
2: a comic version of it? I'm sorry? Why choose a comic version of it? I wanted to be different. The one thing about me is that um again, all my life when I was younger, into like my going almost into my 30s, I always wanted to fit in. And then God whispered in my ear, You were born to stand out. Oh. You were not born to fit in. Yep. You have your own personality. Follow your own dreams, your own goals, your own vision. Mm. You are uniquely and wonderfully made.
1: Mm.
2: And I took that and I ran with it because the more myself, I've, I've, I've not always been self-confident. I've not always had, I, I didn't always have it. I didn't always have the self-esteem, the high self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I didn't know my worth. You see? Mm-hmm. So when you, you know,
0: don't know your worth or like you don't have your self-esteem. Were you weak?
2: Those are two different things. So not having self-esteem is looking at yourself from the lens of I am, I'm not- worthy Hmm. you know you're inside inside yeah so inside you feel a certain way about yourself yep I felt dark Mm. I had a darkness inside of me I didn't I didn't feel pretty I didn't I didn't feel smart enough Mm. um I didn't feel as though I would belong or be invited into the room because I didn't accept myself. See, before anyone can accept you, you you first have to accept yourself.
0: 100%, yes.
2: Self-acceptance is so important. Yep. Because if you don't see you as beautiful, as worthy, as intelligent, no one else is. They're going to see the you that you see in yourself because that's what you're portraying. Yes. hundred percent. Yes. That's what you're giving out. That's the energy you're getting, giving off of yourself. Yep. I had to change my mindset. I had to change my energy. And it took me a long time from where I came from. As a child, I, wist, I witnessed my mother being beat, brutally beat, brutally beat. I mean, I can tell you, you see this white wall behind me? I can tell you that there were many days when my mother's blood was splattered on the wall, a white wall, and it looked like a picture of some sort. So, and she was a very fair skinned woman. So these were not bruises that you could easily hide. So witnessing that and I think uh, it's about two and a half years of abuse because she wasn't married to this man, and this man was not my father.
1: Mm-hmm. He was
2: someone that she was in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And you know, back in the day, and even now, uh, people used to shack up. Even now, some people shack up. But in, in, America, in America, they call it a domesticated a common law marriage. So after a certain amount of years, you're in this common law marriage. But the other word for it is shacking up because she wasn't married. Uh, So this man, this monster, I'm not even going to call him a man. I'm going to call him a monster. This monster would brutally beat her. He was so jealous and envious. And I know that now. See, I was younger then. I was about... The timeline for me is a little wishy-washy. So I want to say I was about six or seven, you know, six or seven years old. So I, I'm I'm always trying to get the definitive timeline.
0: That's, for you're still young, so young I, there, yeah.
2: Right, but I was really young. And um, I would just tell you to watch that, for me, it was traumatizing. Yeah, of course. And... I, I didn't understand love. Is this love? Is this, so is he going to be my father? Is this man supposed to, because I had a father and I knew who my father was, but is this man who's living here with us and supposed to, I thought he was, supposed. my dad is nothing like that. So I'm looking at this man to be like my father and he was not. And when he stopped beating her, he turned on me. Okay. Hmm. I can I can remember that day, the first time it happened so vividly, as though it were yesterday. Yes. Yes. I the remember be gone. Right. I remember every detail. Hmm. And um He didn't beat me, but he molested me, sexually molested me. I can remember my mother leaving and telling me she would be back. She had to go to work. And I I had my own room across from theirs. And I can remember holding my doll and I'm looking at her and just shaking my head. And I, you know, because of the monster that he was, I didn't want to see him. And I tried to stay so quiet because I wanted to be invisible. I, I, I felt like if I didn't make a peep, if I just stayed on the bed, sometimes if I, in, in, before it ever happened, because I was so scared of him, if she would leave out, let's say I had to use the bathroom. Oh, I wouldn't go out my room. I would hold it. Sometimes I had accidents because I'm waiting for my mother to come back because I don't want to go out the room. But this particular day when she left, I would say maybe about five, 10 minutes at the most, he called me. Hmm. He never called me before. Hmm. This time he called me.
1: Hmm.
2: And I was slow moving because I'm like, is he? He's calling me? So I'm taking deep breaths because I'm scared. You know, I'm a little girl. And um, I go off, I ease off the bed and I come to the doorway because where my mother's room used to be, and when you open my door, you can see right into her room, basically. Mm-hmm. You can see the, like the, the edge of her bed. And he was sitting at the edge of his, of the bed. And I could remember seeing him with his hands in the middle of his lap and he was doing something and I didn't understand what he was doing. And he told me, come here. And I, I can remember walking slow. And when I got to him, he took my hand and he placed it in the middle of his lap on that thing because to me, it was a thing. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And um, I can remember him saying, don't be scared. I'm not going to hurt you. And then he started to lift up my gown because I had on a pajama gown and he took my panties down. And, And now I'm horrified because I don't know what he's trying to do and i can remember him taking my hand and moving it up you know moving it in an in emotion a and if it, what i was feeling felt weird and i can remember just doing it but just like tense like not understanding what's going on and then i can remember him taking his hand and putting it where my mother said no one should touch. So for me, I, I immediately froze. And, you know, he looked at his eyes. His eyes are something I will never forget. He had these dark eyes and this, his face. And he was looking at me and and making me move my hand faster on him. And I'm still like in a frozen moment. And then I felt something come down me. I didn't know I was urinating on myself because that's how scared I was. I peed myself. And he looked at me and that's when he stopped. And he said, go get them up. go clean it up he said you better not say anything about this because I'll tell your mother that you peed on the floor and you're gonna get it that's 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 what he said to keep me quiet basically and I was scared so I'm like shaking and I just wanted to get out of there and you know I wanted to hurry up clean it up and go back to my room And that was the first of many encounters and they got worse. It didn't get any better, it got worse. Um, I can recall my mother being on one side of the bed, him being in the middle and him telling me, well, you can go ahead and watch your show because I didn't have a TV in my room. The TV was in their bedroom. And he told me, go ahead, sit up front. My mother was asleep. And I can remember him pulling me close to him in the same bed and going underneath and pulling my panties down while my mother was sleeping. That's how sick this man was. And I can just remember that I didn't even wanna watch the show I just wanted to get out of the the bed. And then my mother, she moved a certain way and that's what made him release, release me. And I slid off the bed and I ran back to my room and closed the door. But his thing, every time an encounter happened, his verbal sayings to me would get worse. So the next thing was, if you say anything, I'm going to kill your mother and you know I'll do it. And then after I kill her, I'm going to kill you.
1: Hmm.
2: So to hear those words echoing, I'm going to kill your mother and after I kill her, I'm going to kill you. How much trauma do you think a child yeah. really handle in their brain, in their mind? We're children, they're children. Their mind is still growing. Their brains are not fully developed.
1: Yep.
2: So, with that being said, my mother just made a decision in her life she decided that she was going to leave him. So one day she said to me, she said, how would you like to go somewhere far away? She came in the bedroom, she said, how would you like to go somewhere far away? And I said, go somewhere, like leave just me and you? And she was like, yes, just you and I. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I wanted to get the hell away from there. I want to leave. And when she said, how would you like to leave? I'm like, you don't even have to ask. And then she said, well, um, she said, the bad thing is we can't take, but our suitcase with us. We can't take any of this. She said, so Sordia, you're not going to be able to take your toys. I looked at her like, mom, I don't care about the toys. Can we leave? I said, are we leaving today? <laughs> you know, I remember the conversation because I was like, let's get out of here. Because <clears throat> the only thing she didn't know what was going on She didn't know that he was, he he was molesting me because I was too scared to tell her because I thought he was going to kill her. And then I thought he was going to kill me. So when she said to me, how do you feel about leaving? If you could see the expression on my face as a little girl, I was so ecstatic I I say ecstatic now because I know that's what my face conveyed I remember Mm
1: -hmm.
2: so she and I packed uh maybe a couple of weeks later we packed a bag it was on a I want I want to say it was a weekend because I wasn't in school so I want to say it was a weekend I can't really remember but um We packed a bag. I remember my aunt Sophie, she going to my aunt Sophie's house and saying that we were leaving and she had brought a lot of things over. My aunt Sophie Sophie held a lot of things for us. She had brought a lot of things over to her house. And in that that, that day it was an apartment building. So an apartment. And uh, we went to the bus station and uh, we got on a bus. And I, 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 finally, she finally told me we we're going to California. My uncle, my uncle Russell, lived in California with his wife,
1: hmm.
2: and um, it was Merced, California. Smitha, we spent we spent three days on a bus, and I had I remember having my Barbie doll, and my mother taught me how to braid. Hmm. the Barbie doll's hair on the bus ride and i could rem- i can remember three days on the bus no shower we're eating at the you know bus st- bus stops or what have you but I just could remember being so happy I didn't care I was so happy yep. because I felt free I felt released and i and I looked at my mother and she just had a calm look on her face like, You know, it was something that I hadn't seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. But looking back at that now and picturing her face, I can see that she just was like me. She felt free. Relieved. Relieved, yes. So we, we end up in California, Merced, California, where I would attend John Muir Elementary School. (laughs) <laughs> it's crazy that I remember these things. And um tetherball. I remember the tetherball, the ball with the rope and you wrap it around the pole. So my uncle Here's the ironic part to all this. My uncle and my aunt were Jehovah witnesses. And I'm not sure if you know what a Jehovah witness is. Smitha, have you ever Smitha, have you ever heard of that uh Jehovah witness?
0: I don't know the details I think I heard the name of it but I am not really sure what that is you can explain what it is
2: Well really briefly it's just another faith another type of uh religion basically they their god is Jehovah that they and they they have some really and I don't know too much about the Jehovah witnesses except for what I learned when I was there because there were certain shows I couldn't watch um, I can re- I can recall that the Michael Jackson thriller video um, was coming out mm-hmm. and people in my school were talking about it mm. and I was excited because I wanted to see the video because that was at the time that there was a video was this whole movie scene or what have you and mm. I can recall everyone in the school talking about the Michael Jackson thriller video when it was coming out but my aunt said I couldn't watch it because that's not what they believed they believed that that was too demonic. Yeah. So I was so broken I was so upset mm-hmm. I then my favorite cartoon used to be the Smurfs and okay. I couldn't watch the Smurfs because she said they were blue little blue demons <laughs> okay and you know I looked at my mom and I'm looking at her and I got tears in my eyes and I'm like I can't watch the smurfs I can't watch the smurfs and you know my mom was just like look we live here we have to respect their rules you know this is their tradition this is their way of life and we had to go to the kingdom hall and all of these things but the ironic part what I'm getting at is my uncle he was in the military he was in the air force my uncle was abusive he used to beat my aunt And my mother had no idea that that was going on. Hmm. And I could recall nights when they were screaming, shouting. My mother was getting involved because she's trying to stop my uncle from hitting my aunt. They're fighting. and, And so we went from one trauma situation, traumatic, to another one. And I think with all of that going on, you know, I can tell that there was, they, now these are adults and I'm a child, so I can tell that there was some, there was a lot of tense moments, if you will. So I think my mother got stressed all over again. Smitha, she reached out to the monster and told him where we were.
1: Oh my. Hmm.
2: he came to where we were
0: how many days were you guys away from that person how many what? how many days were you away from home by we, then
2: at that point we were it had to have been a couple of months because i had already started school and it had to have been about it had to have been about 2 or th- maybe like 3 months 2 3 months i'm thinking Okay. Hmm. and she called him and he came and you know what he did he told her he said i want to take Sordia out for lunch just she and just she and i i just want to take her out i miss her so i'm looking at my mother because i'm saying i know that my mother is not gonna let me go with this monster I know she's not. So I'm, you know, I'm standing by her and she's like, okay. Wow. The the psychological abuse of a woman. See, when I became older and I understood that, I can understand why she was so broken yes. and why she did what she did because as a child, I didn't understand. Yep. And when he took me, he took, he'd take me to lunch. He took me back to his hotel room. He said, he said, sit down. He had a chair in the middle of the floor. So it's like he prepared all of this. <laughs> and my heart, Smith was beating.
1: Yeah,
2: Because I'm thinking, this is, the, this is the day that I die. He's going to kill me. Mm. He's going to kill me. I'm never going to see my mother again. He's going to kill me. But by God, God had something more planned for my life. He had something better in store. Amidst all that I was going through, he shielded me because that monster put me in the middle of that floor and that chair, turned the lights off and started circling the chair. Wouldn't say anything, just walking around me, just walking. So you can imagine how me a little girl was feeling yep. so he said to me he said um I don't want you to remember the bad times hmm. this, is, this is what came out of his mouth I don't want you to remember the bad times I just want you to remember the good times and in my mind what is I'm saying what good times if I could have verbally, if I had the brave, if I was that brave to say it, because God knows I was thinking it, but it, it felt as though I said it because that's how loud it was screaming in my head.
1: Hmm.
2: What good times!
1: Yep.
2: And I didn't say anything. I was just, I'm just, I'm, I'm there. I'm holding my arms because I, I'm, I don't know what he's gonna do. And he said. Um, I remember you your your doll baby remember your doll baby because it was a little it was a little black doll baby and she had a soft uh, body Mm. and a big head but that was my favorite doll baby Mm. and we forgot it rushing out of there we forgot it and I was so upset that's when my mother brought me the Barbie doll Mm. and she told me she said don't don't worry about it you know but I was upset because that was my baby doll. And I felt like I didn't protect her
1: because Mm. I
2: was like, he's gonna gonna hurt her. He's gonna do something to her, you know, in my mind. So when he mentioned that, I got excited. I thought he brought her. Mm. And he said, wouldn't you, don't you want her? He asked me, don't I want her? He said, when you, and I said, yes. Like now I'm excited because I'm thinking that he has her. he's gonna give her to me he goes well when you and your mommy come home i'm gonna have her waiting for you Hmm. see that psychological warfare the the game the manipulation the gaslighting all those things that are apparent to me now is what he was doing to me then so with that being said He didn't hurt me. He hurt me mentally. Physically, he didn't touch me that day. He did bring me back to my mom. We didn't, ironically, we did not leave with him because I thought like after she allowed him to take me, I just knew that um, she was going to give in and go back with him. But ironically, my uncle stepped in and was like, well, my sister's not going anywhere. And I couldn't believe that because- he's an abuser
1: Mm -hmm. you
2: you see how how ironic that was yep so we stayed there a couple of more months and then uh we wound up going back and um I would I was I don't know what I was but I don't know what I was I know I really don't I can't tell you what emotions I had. So, um, my mother was in a dark place. I realized that now at the time I didn't know what was happening with her. I didn't understand what was going on with me. Uh, my mother, uh, she became very abusive to me. And, um, you know, I, I was acting out in school and I was acting out in school because
0: you were mentioning like uh, your uncle said, you guys are not going back. But after that, he went back. Into- oh, we
2: went, yeah, we went back. We, went, we came back to uh, Brooklyn, as a matter of fact. And we started living on our own again. And, and, and again, I, I, I had all these emotions in me. Mm-hmm. And I did not know what was going on with me. I didn't know what was wrong with me. And again, my mother, I can see that she was in a space. And, and it wasn't a good space and she had a lot going on with her. And again, she became very abusive towards me. And I didn't, and I, and I guess I felt like I deserved it because I was acting out in school, but then my school got involved in, it because it was leaving whelps and mm. uh, they got involved and they, they actually called Child Protective Services on my mother yeah. mm. and uh, they were going to take me, remove me from the home. And um, it it got really serious. It Mm. was really serious, a serious situation when Child Protective Services is involved.
1: Mm.
2: So with that being said, I I went through a period of life where I was, I was all over the place. Yep. I started to run away. Um, I mean, you know, my family thought I was a black, the black sheep, because I never told anyone what happened to me. So my family thought, like, what's wrong with this girl? So my whole life, I grew up basically with a stick, a stick, a stigma over me. And I didn't even know what was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. At one point, I thought something was wrong with me. And, and, And in essence, there was something wrong. I I went through a very traumatic experience and who I, I was bearing the weight of the world on my shoulders it felt like I had this huge secret I didn't tell my mother I didn't tell anyone I started running away I I was doing stupid things the last time I would run away I disappeared for and, my, and by the way, my mother um, did get married to the same person No okay Ooh, heavens no, I'm so thankful. Yep. Uh, the man that she married is my stepfather today. I still I still I'm still in contact with him. I actually helped to take care of him. He's my sister's uh, father.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: my sister and I have the same mother, but different dads and we're very close. Um, her dad. Helped to raise me, and I, I looked at him as a second dad for me. And uh, he really nothing like the monster.
1: Mm.
2: Nothing. That's okay. mm. So I I saw better times coming. I got to know his family. His family embraced me, took me in, and you know uh, my mother went back to school. She was in college and. doing different things she got her degree she started working for the city of new york had a huge position so things started looking up but i was still broken Mm -hmm. so i was still running away and doing all these crazy even with the a a decent man in my mother's life Mm -hmm. so the last time i ran away i was gone for almost a month hmm. they put out a missing person's report on me
1: oh okay
2: I went to a friend's house uh, from school and I stayed there and it's crazy because whenever I tell that part of the story people ask me well what did the friend's mother say because it was, it was around a holiday break Hmm. And they asked me, well, what did the friend's mother say? Because I was gone. I keep, I keep saying three weeks, but maybe about two and a half weeks because it was on a break. And I'm not sure if it was an Easter break. I can't remember if it was an Easter break or a Christmas break. I want to say it was a Christmas break. I want to say it was around winter time. That's what I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind. I can't really remember the timeline, but People always ask, well, how, how did you get away with that? And I, and I told them, I told the, my friend's mother, Felicia's mother, I told her, I said, well, my mom is out of town and I didn't want to really stay with my cousins because of blah, blah, blah. I made up some, you know, was there. Big, some big lie. And she looked like it like, she questioned it, but she was a single mother with three kids she had to work and she worked long hours at that point it was just like ugh, whatever you guys got going on yes. right she was like whatever you know so it, it, it was no it was it wasn't like we were going to school we were on a break so she just let it go she didn't question it and um I can remember towards the end of that second week she said listen when are you going home I need to talk to your mother she did like she's she was home for three days. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when it started to set in. Like this little girl is still here. You know, I was in middle, middle school at the time. I think I was in like, uh, I think I was in sixth grade or it was sixth or seventh grade. Anyway, I told her, I said, oh, I said, well, I'm, I'm going to go home today. And she says, she says, no, no. She's like, your mother's going to have to come pick you up. And I was like, well, she's not going to come pick me up. I have to go home by myself. And she said, no. She said, something's not right here. You're not telling me something. And at that point, I didn't know what other lie to come up with. So she called the police. And when she called the police, like she, she didn't tell me she was calling the police. She said, okay, just go back in the room. She said, we'll figure it out. So I thought I was safe. Little did I know she was on the phone with the police department and And they must've told her this girl has been missing for almost going on three weeks now, you know? So uh, there was a knock at the door and you know how you have the instinct? Yeah. My heart dropped into my belly Mm -hmm. because I knew, because no one ever really comes to their house. They always, like we were always going out to someone else's house. Mm. Her kids never really brought a lot of people over, not a lot of people. So when that knock came, I said, oh my God, my. But it, to be honest with you, anytime there was a knock at their door, I felt that. Now that I'm thinking about it, because I always thought like, oh, they're coming for me. This time they were. So it was, uh, she called me to the front and that's when I knew like, oh man, I thought my, maybe my mom was there. Hmm. When I came, it came up front, there was a police woman and a policeman standing there, uh, NYPD, and uh, I was scared. Smitha, I was scared. I had never been arrested. So I thought I was getting out, thought they were gonna put me in handcuffs. So I'm like horrified and I'm looking and crying and my friend is crying and she's like, mom, why did you call the police? <laughs> and I'm crying and the police officer is like, just come with us. You've been missing for a while. And, you know, they gave me the dialogue. They didn't put me in cuffs. Um, they actually let me out. And they asked me when we, when we got in the car, the police car, they put me in the back of the car and they asked me, are you hungry? And I said, yes. Um, I wasn't starving. I, I, I didn't eat that morning. They they, uh, I forgot what um, ethnicity they were, but they had something that I really didn't eat. So I didn't eat because everything that they cooked, I didn't like, you know, it was, it was kind of, it was foreign to me and I never had it. And some of the things I tried and I was like, okay, this is good. But some things I was like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> so, um, when the police officers asked me, was I hungry? I was like, yes. So they stopped and, uh, they got me at, I can remember it was McDonald's. They got me some McDonald's and we went to, uh, the police station and they were talking to me on the ride. I can't remember all of how the conversation went, I could just remember telling them um, why I I ran away. And uh, when we got to the police station, a surprise was there. My dad, my biological father was there. Oh, okay. My biological father, now he lived in Virginia
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and he, at the time, you know, had started a new family. And I hadn't seen him in a while. And when I saw him, I was so excited because this is my dad. This is my real dad. And, you know, my stepfather was there too. My mother was there. And, oh, she looked hot. <laughs> like she did not have a smile on her face at all. My dad embraced me, hugged me, and I was happy and crying. But my mother, I didn't even want to go near her. I did not want to go near her. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I was sat in, a, I can remember them sitting me in a, a room and it had a table and it had four chairs,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, two on each side. And I can remember the police woman coming in and, you know, she was asking, asking me again, how do you feel? Are you okay? And blah, blah, blah. And she said, listen, I want you to talk to me. I can remember her saying, I want you to talk to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What is going on? What's going on with you that you're doing these things? Because your mother told me that you run, you run away all the time. Mm-hmm. So she said, I know. This is what she said. And I remember, I always remember that. She said, I know something is not right do you want to tell me hmm. she didn't say tell me she said do you want to tell me she gave you the choice you got it and for me that opened up the gateway
0: Of course, yeah
2: and i was flushed with tears i'm snotting all over the place and I'm telling her what happened and I could just see her eyes getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then she said okay and she gave me tissue and she said okay it's okay she told me it's okay she said it's okay she said you're safe now you're safe and I hadn't I hadn't heard those words before mm. you're safe now mm. and I can remember feeling like the weight of the world has lifted.
1: Yep, yep.
2: And uh, I can remember feeling that freedom I felt when I was on the bus with my mother, Hmm. So, first time I ever told what happened.
1: Yep. Yep.
2: And I felt safe, and I felt like I was safe, and he couldn't get me. Um, I, um, she left out the room. And she told, she told my mother and she told my dad what was going on. And um, I didn't tell them that it was not my stepfather who did that to me. I, I, In the midst of me babbling, that's something I forgot. So my father automatically turned to my stepfather, like he was getting ready to
0: beat him. Yeah.
2: Right. Like beat him. And I said, no, no, it, it wasn't, it wasn't him. It was the one before him. So my dad looked at my mom and my mother turned and looked at the the policewoman and said, she's lying, that never happened to her. She she just, she just wants attention. And I can remember feeling broken all over again, all over again. I can remember feeling broken all over again. Hmm. And the police woman looked at my mother like, I can remember the police woman's face looking at her like, what? Why why wouldn't you believe her? And I could remember looking at my mom and her, and she looked angry. Hmm. And she said, and then she stopped and she said, she's lying. And she shook her head, she's lying. She's what? lying.
1: Hmm.
2: And then she told my dad, she's got, she's got to go. She's got to go.
1: Hmm.
2: And my dad asked me, do you wanna come live with me? And I said, yes. So, in the midst of my middle school year, I would transfer down to Virginia and live with my dad and his new family.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a whole different.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Smith, in my transition and the reason why I do this work, the reason why I am a generational survivor. the reason why many of us are generational survivors is because of and this is a this is a phrase that a word that i i defined on my own something that god gave to me and i defined it as an individual that during their childhood witnessed abuse domestic violence in their home mm. And either became a part of the abuse and grew in, or grew up into the abuse. Mm. But it had to have happened in that in that person's home.
1: Yeah.
2: By a family member, whether it be the parents, whether it be the grandparents, et cetera, et cetera. But that is the generational survivor. An, in, an individual growing up in a home witnessing deb, uh, abuse, domestic violence, and or being a part of that abuse, whether it be physically or mentally. Um, the purpose for generational survivors is to, and I wanted this to be a global platform, is to bring uh, awareness to other survivors yes. that are generational survivors. Yes, and, and also give and provide resources as well as lobbying for change and hmm. hmm. the laws pertaining to domestic violence, child molestation, sexual assault. That is so vital yep. because so many, the, some of the laws when you read them, they're so off. And it's like these these perpetrators are just continuously doing these things and getting away with them because the penalties are not stiff
0: enough. Becoming a hero is a choice that comes with more responsibility. While Sadia chose to be her own superhero, her next chapter just begun. So come back to our next episode to learn more about that. Keep listening. And keep learning okay thank you for tuning in and you can find me on all the socials at smithakunturi and the show notes for any resources mentioned see you next week take care